0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to hear your word. Thank you for each person who is here. As we read in the, in the Psalms, um, each of our days have been, have been formed before we were even born. It's no accident that we're here. Give us ears to hear what you want to say. In Christ's name, amen. amen. You can be seated. I'd like to turn your attention to our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 4 we just read, and focus especially on that last part, those last three verses, which tell us about something about Jesus' healing ministry. He's beginning his ministry, he's gathering his disciples, and an important part of Jesus' ministry was healing. Matthew tells us that Jesus healed all the sick who came to him. What are we to make of the healing ministry of Jesus? And how is this relevant to us today? How is it relevant to the church today, the healing ministry of Jesus? Well, of course, there are some people who read these stories with great skepticism and unbelief. And they'll read stories like this and and they'll say, well, the early church church made these stories up or exaggerated these stories to make Jesus look like some sort of superhero with special powers. Um, sometimes such folks will say Jesus maybe had a psychological influence over hurting people. And that's, what, that's the reason why he gained such a following. But it's very clear here that Matthew is saying Jesus healed people physically. But there is that skeptical view. Some uh, Christians today uh, certainly believe that Jesus healed people just as the Bible says. And that this was an important part of revealing his identity. That his healing miracles and the miracles of the apostles that followed helped to get Christianity off the ground, so to speak. But then after the apostolic period, after the apostles died, and after the New Testament was written these miracles have ceased. And uh, that view is called cessationism. There are some Christians that hold cessationism. Then there are some Christians that hold an extreme position when it comes to healing, a position in favor of divine healing. But their view is that we can expect the same kind of miracles and the same quantity of miracles that Jesus performed it's practically guaranteed if only we had enough faith. We can demand these miracles. We can declare these miracles. And the key to seeing it happen is our faith. I read a story about a, a, a girl, a woman, who was reflecting on her childhood growing up in such a, uh, such a church. And uh, she said there was an instance when one of her friends got very sick And the church met together to pray for this friend of hers. And again, she's coming from the context of a church that says, if we have enough faith, we can make this happen. Well, her friend died. And this girl who was eight years old at the time said she carried with her the guilt and shame that she was the reason her friend died. Because she didn't have enough faith. So, pastorally, that's a very dangerous position. But you have these different views, and I'm sure there are others. This is kind of all oversimplified this morning. But you have the skeptical view, you have cessationism, and then you have this extreme sort of position that if only we have enough faith. We'll do exactly what Jesus did, and we'll see it happening all the time. How do we understand it? And how do we apply it today? How do we understand Jesus' healing ministry? Well, I think a key idea is found in verse 23. Explains the reason why Jesus performed these healing miracles. It says in verse 23 that he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, and here's the key phrase, this is the important part here that I want us to look at, the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Jesus' healing miracles was a way to announce that the kingdom of God was breaking into the world through him. He ministered in word, proclaiming it, preaching and teaching it, and then demonstrating it by these miracles. That in him, the kingdom of God has come. Jesus is saying, the kingdom is here in me. And the text tells us that as a result of Jesus' healing power, his fame spread throughout all Syria, verse 24. And then verse 25, great crowds followed him. From Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, from beyond the Jordan. His fame grew because of these miracles. Now, I spend a lot of time as a pastor in places where people are hurting. In hospitals, nursing homes, rehab centers. And I can imagine if somebody with this sort of healing power went into big barns down in St. Louis or St. Luke's Hospital, Missouri Baptist, or right across here at Del Mar Gardens, or if somebody came to the psych wards and the counseling centers in St. Louis, and everybody who came to them would testify that they'd been healed, their fame would grow like wildfire. That's what happened in Jesus' day. He became so famous, the crowds pressed in. There are times in the gospel that talk about him. He just had to get away and withdraw from the crowds. Because they were seeking healing from Jesus. He was not performing these miracles, however, to draw a crowd. He was making the statement. The kingdom of God has come. Is breaking in to the world through me. There are Old Testament prophecies that talk about what it's going to look like when the Messiah comes. What it's going to look like in the world when the kingdom of God breaks in. How God is going to renew creation. How God is going to restore bodies and all of creation. So Isaiah 29, 18 says this. On that day the deaf shall hear and the eyes of the blind shall see. Or Isaiah 35 Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame man will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. In Matthew chapter 8, he records Jesus' healing ministry and the success of his ministry. And Matthew notes that this was to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 53. He took our illnesses and and bore our diseases. Isaiah 53 is about the servant of God. It's a, a sketch of the ministry of the Messiah. And Matthew says the healing ministry of Jesus fulfills that prophecy. So there were these ancient prophecies of the Old Testament. About what the Messiah was going to do. What it's going to look like when God's kingdom breaks into the world. Restoration. Renewal, healing. So his miracles were not uh, a way, just a way to gain a crowd. Jesus' miracles were not just a way for him to alleviate suffering, although he was motivated by compassion to do that. No doubt about it. But it is sending a message. The kingdom has come. The king is here. He said in Matthew twelve twenty eight. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. Very clear. Trying to teach people what these signs mean. And one way for us to respond to the healing miracles of Jesus that we see in Scripture is to, is to believe these signs and to, and to trust that these signs demonstrate that he really is the Messiah. We have reasons to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the one through whom the kingdom of God comes, that he is the one through whom God's salvation comes. And one reason is these signs that are recorded for us in the Gospels. We ought to bring bleeding faith to these gospel stories and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Well, what about the skeptical position? The. The. The, the person who looks at, at these stories and says, I just can't believe that such a thing were, were, were to happen. There was one such skeptic in the 18th century, uh, a philosopher named David Hume, and he wrote this book trying to discredit the miracles of Jesus and the miracles of the gospel. His, his arguments um, are pretty sophisticated. I'll just give kind of an oversimplified view, and uh, that's pretty much the best I could can do anyway. But he said... Um, you know, I haven't experienced these things. People today haven't experienced these things. Therefore, we have reason to believe that it didn't happen back then. In other words, it's not happening now, and it didn't happen then. Because he was saying human experience is uniform throughout history, throughout time. So it didn't happen then because it doesn't happen now. And scholars point out, well, that's not really a logical argument. He's basing that on his experience, right? His limited experience and the circle of friends that he has or associates that he has there in, in Europe in the, in the Enlightenment period. In fact, there's a, there's a scholar, a New Testament scholar named Craig Keener. He's written a book on miracles in the New Testament and engaging those kind of arguments. And he says, well, today we have a lot of testimony. A lot of testimony about people who say that God has healed them. Really uh, documented stories at this point in history. And, and maybe Hume's argument wouldn't have so much appeal today, or shouldn't have so much appeal today, because of the, of the documentation and the, and the testimonies of healing today. And, and Keener, in his book, gives some of those uh, stories. Another scholar who researches healing miracles, um, in her presentation that I watched, and this is a friend of Dr. McClymans, a, a woman named Candace Brown reports that in one of her presentations, 73% of medical doctors say that miraculous healing occurs today. And of course that's significant because these are people who are dealing with suffering people and and, and they, they see families and friends come in and pray and, and that was back in 2007 from the Southern Medical Journal. 73% of medical doctors say that they believe that healing miracles can occur today. So The point is, the argument, I I don't see it happening today, therefore it didn't happen then, is an argument based on limited experience. And um, there are many people um, that can testify to the healing power of prayer. Some people in this congregation as well. On the other hand, we have to be honest with our experience That so often when we pray for physical healing, we don't get the answer that we desire. The answer that we pray for. You know, Jesus' record was 100%. The text makes clear that everyone who came to him, they they were healed. Uh, Of all these different afflictions, um, various diseases, it says, and pains. Can you kind of see the crowds coming to him? Limping and hurting and crying and hoping with their various diseases and pains. Spiritual oppression, oppressed by demons, some of them having seizures. Paralytics. And, and he healed them. He healed them all. His success rate was 100%. Why? It's a sign that he's the Messiah. We're not the Messiah. Messiah. It's a sign that the kingdom of God is coming through him. We don't bring in the kingdom of God. We bear witness to the kingdom of God. We belong to the kingdom of God, but he is the one who brings the kingdom. His healing power is a sign that he is the savior. We're not the savior. We bear witness to the savior. So Jesus unique healing power. His unprecedented his unparalleled healing power is a sign of his uniqueness as messiah savior the one who brings the kingdom of god where does that leave us today how does it relate to our ministry today as a church well i believe that the church is to carry on the healing ministry of jesus christ I'm not convinced by those who are cessationists and say that these gifts have ceased. not convinced by those arguments. Some might be, but, but I've not been convinced. I'm not convinced by my reading of church history that these miracles ceased when the apostles died. And I'm not convinced based on my own experience. And so I believe that the church is called to continue on something of the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. We don't demand healing. We don't declare healing. We pray. We petition. We ask. And we ask with faith, expectant faith, that God is able, according to his will, to heal. And so when we pray every Sunday, we have a prayer list of people that are looking for us to uphold them in prayer. We We ought to pray believing that God really is at work in these circumstances and and, and really believe that he can touch people and restore people. When you go back uh, to the, the back of the sanctuary during communion time, we have people there to pray with you. And the people that are praying pray with expectant faith that God is able to act and touch people today. We should not be afraid to pray for hurting people with expectant faith. Sometimes we shy away, and I'm speaking here for myself too, because so often we haven't seen what we've prayed for, and so we don't really want to take the risk to look foolish or to disappoint somebody as we pray for their healing. I read one story of a pastor who's involved in praying for people's healing, and he said you know, he's learned through the years that nobody ever says, I don't want to be prayed for or I wish you wouldn't have prayed for me. In fact, he said one time he was praying for somebody, he continued to pray for them, and they didn't see exactly the results they wanted. They didn't see the physical healing they were praying for. And he kind of was apologizing to the man that he had been ministering to. And he said, well, the man said, what I have experienced through you is the love of God. I've experienced God's love in your prayers for me. We shouldn't confine healing to just the physical realm. Also one of these words that's translated here in this passage can include mental affliction as well. Another story of a, a young man who was coming to church and he was a, lived on his own and he was kind of lonely and didn't have a whole lot of friends and so he starts coming to a church and he said the church was almost too friendly and it overwhelmed him. And he said people were hugging me and then they started inviting me to their houses and their homes. And and he almost kind of withdrew because it was too much. But he said, over time, their warmth and their hugs and their friendship began to heal me of loneliness. And that opened his heart to receive the gospel and to trust the good news of Jesus Christ. In your acts of love and hospitality and friendship, you can be part of the process of healing people, suffering from loneliness and depression, we're not alone in, in, in seeing people who are sick that we would like to be made whole through prayer. Even the Apostle Paul who had a gift of healing. Read the book of Acts. There's indication in his letters that he did not always see people he prayed for to be healed, made whole. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 20, he talks about leaving one of his companions behind. Trophimus, he says, left him behind sick. And then in a letter to Timothy, his disciple, he mentions Timothy's stomach problem. And he says, Timothy, remember to take your medicine. It was a medicinal wine. Take the, the wine for your stomach. Paul even talks about a thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians. Remember, three times he asks the Lord to remove the flesh, which here's a right balance, I think, in Paul's talking about the thorn of the flesh. He's aggressively trusting and believing that God can remove the thorn from the flesh. Three times he asks, he prays, but then he realizes that God is going to give him the grace to persevere, even though the thorn has not been removed. And he's going to learn through this experience that my grace is sufficient for you, the Lord says. I think that's a good model for us. So, the healing that we pray for, the physical healing in this life, it's not guaranteed. But we can trust God's goodness. We can trust that God is able to heal if it's his will. What is guaranteed by the word of Christ is the forgiveness of our sins when we repent. The gift of the Holy Spirit and the hope of resurrection, the promise of resurrection Where we experience our ultimate healing. Everybody that Jesus healed eventually died. Lazarus had to do it over again. (laughs) The ultimate healing comes at the resurrection. In Christ the kingdom of God has come, but not fully. We're living in this in-between time. And we look forward to the day where he will come again. And the dead in Christ will be raised to resurrected life. There was a man on his deathbed and his pastor was with him this man was in the final stages of life his pastor was sitting next to him praying and holding vigil and keeping his company keeping him company The man woke up and he looked over where the pastor was and said pastor is that you And the pastor said yes I'm here I've been here He said oh I'm so disappointed <laughs> I was hoping to see Jesus when I opened my eyes. <laughs> but then he did. He did slip away. And, and, and we can trust that when he opened his eyes the next time, he did see Jesus. Jesus, the ultimate healer. Jesus who gives us the ultimate healing. Amen.